I couldn't be religious and gay. It was impossible. I was being marketed as some sort of like teenage it girl. When a girl kissed me on my 18th birthday, a whole other world opened up to me. I was a minor nuisance. Eight Australians will tell you about the choices that have led them to unexpected places. These are some of the stories you will hear on Let Me Tell You, a podcast where real people tell incredible real stories. Look for Let Me Tell You and follow wherever you get your podcasts. You describe yourself as an anxious person. What does that look like? I think it means that I just consider every problem from like a million perspectives and I have a lot of thoughts that circle around my head. Most of them really illogical, but I Mm. really wind myself up and exhaust myself with thinking a lot of the time, perhaps a little bit too much for my own good. Mm, mm, okay, and just a reminder, Jenny, uh, you can get to session back on Medicare. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, literally, I'm like talking to you now, and it's like, is this therapy or is this like a podcast? I don't even know anymore. Hello, and welcome to Love Me, Love My Anxiety. This is a podcast from SBS Voices where we'll find out what it's like navigating the dating world while having anxiety. The thing that all millennials claim to have, and actually do have. How do we go about finding a partner when we're already partnered up? With anxiety. With anxiety. My name's Kevin Jin, I'm a Sydney-based comedian, and I'm qualified to talk about this because not only do I have anxiety, but I'm also happily engaged, and as we all know, personal romantic success translates to public expertise. We'll also be talking to actual experts about dating and mental health, and we'll also be talking to people with anxiety about their experiences. Well, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder when I was 13. I don't have a fancy name attached to my anxiety. I just call it anxiety. It's just the kind of anxiety that makes you not sleep. I think having anxiety is more of you just can't control it at all. You know, sometimes I just don't want to see people. Sometimes I just want to talk to dogs. For me, having an anxiety attack is like when I suddenly can't find my phone in my pocket and my heart absolutely drops. But instead of lasting a few seconds, it can go for an entire afternoon. Everything I look at has some major problem which I need to fix. Every thought I have is an indicator that something is really not right and I need to fix something or clean something or confirm something. Real fun. It just feels like a real, like, tightening in the chest. Absolutely. Hyperventilating, like, bouncing your leg and stuff like that. Just get overwhelmed and almost have a heart attack. The anxiety makes me very loud and sweaty. Oh, the sweats. The sweats underneath the armpits. That's the worst. In terms of, like, the mental clarity that I have, it's like I'm wrestling with myself in my mind and I can never win the match. And then I'd look at my watch and then it's like 40 minutes have passed and all I've done is like sat and thought. Well, before meds, it was double checking things, being paranoid all the time. People are like, Jenny, you're such an organised person. And it's like, yeah, it's because I imagined the worst outcome. (laughs) It's kind of like, you know, when you're in a dream and like, even though you rationally know that it's not real, like it just feels so real. Over the course of this show, we'll be looking at what anxiety is. What's the difference between feeling anxious and having anxiety? And how does it affect us? How do we manage this while looking for love? 
How does the fact that I'll never own a house affect my sex life? What's the deal with global warming? When I was a teenager, I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder, which meant that I would wash my hands 20 times a day because if I didn't, I felt that I would die. So imagine what type of energy I was bringing to the dating market. There are only so many ways of folding blankets into feeling like someone else when you're alone in bed. I want you to know that if you do have anxiety, you aren't alone in having anxiety. You probably are alone romantically if you're listening to this though, and that's fine. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, oh God, please don't leave. How has anxiety affected your love life? You're always thinking about whether you are worthy enough and good enough and all these other enoughs. It's about whether I'm smart enough, whether I'm pretty enough, whether my food tastes nice enough, whether I'm a good mother, a good wife. When I was a teenager or like in my early, early 20s, I feel like it played such a big part in um, my self-esteem or like you're, you're a bit more desperate for attention and scared that no one else is ever gonna like you again. Dating is hard, meeting people is hard, and finding someone that you really connect with is really difficult, especially for certain people. Immediately when I'm with a person and I start something new, I'm already thinking about and planning the breakup. <laughs> that was Jenny Tian, comedian and my longtime friend, and also a friend of anxiety. Hi, Jenny, Sydney comedian and actual friend. How are you going? I'm going well. What an introduction. <laughs> Do you feel that you not having a formal diagnosis of anxiety is because you're too anxious to go to a psychiatrist? Oh, God, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of, like, especially with, like, my parents and stuff, um, coming from an ethnic background, a lot of stigma against seeking mental help. Mm. So it's a very, like, shameful thing if I were to ever go to therapy or see a psychologist. And I know that shouldn't be a reason that stops me, but yeah, I'm not 100% comfortable, um, I guess, seeking out help if it does come to that stage. Uh, I guess this is the bit where I say something really supportive, but just personally, <laughs> this is just really funny to me. <laughs> it is like anyone with ethnic parents would like totally understand the whole like stigma against like mental health and stuff. It's like, why is that a priority in your life? It's like, what? Like, I survived the war. What? Yeah. I survived an entire famine. You don't know how good you have it. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about dating, Jenny. Let's talk about okay. it. Do you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What does dating mean to you? What a profound question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess dating means, like, meeting other people that are potentially life partners. Ooh, okay. I guess yeah. That's, that's a, a very long-term yeah. way of thinking about it. But yeah, sure, that's that's valid. There's no there's no right or wrong answer. I'm not an authority. I just sound like one because of my deep voice. <laughs> so with your anxiety, you know, your feelings that you, you know, your feelings of anxiety that you're talking about, do these ever happen in the context of you trying to look for a partner? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Usually it depends on what it is. If it is like something that I'm obsessively thinking over, which I tend to do a lot, like I would take really small problems and catastrophize them. I would kind of talk to a friend and then do that thing where I send like 20 messages in a row only to my close friends. Um, I, I love this because I also have, res I, I remember the 20 like messages you sent me over the last conversation we had. So I was just like, hmm. 
and it's like mm. not even a message. It was like it's like sometimes you go, no, this is like too big to send in text. I need to voice memo this whole thing. You sent me an ebook. <laughs> I did. <laughs> what would your one hundred percent honest dating profile say? <laughs> I think it would say that I'm a very neurotic person. It would say that I have zero cooking skills, very little cleaning skills as well, a little bit of a workaholic, and also that I spend way too much time on TikTok. Mm, cool. I have been to your apartment and it is a goddamn mess. So you're very you're very honest there. You've passed the test, Jenny. Um, Dude, but I, also, yeah. <laughs> I've told my friends about that time you went into my apartment and they laugh every time because literally you, you came into my apartment and you were like, Jenny, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> that, that question still stands to this day. <laughs> we'll hear more from Jenny in future episodes. I also spoke to Emily Unity, a mental health advocate with a lived experience of anxiety. Well, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder when I was 13, but I've learned that it's pretty prevalent. When people ask me, like, what is your anxiety affect? It's more of a question of like, well, what doesn't it affect? I overthink mm. literally everything. Um, and I have this like really nice quote that I like that's like, you can't hurt a person with anxiety. They already see it coming. You're just proving that they're right. <laughs> It affects everything in my life, so definitely my relationships as well. Yeah, I just overthink a lot of interactions with everyone that I meet, whether it be like the checkout chick at Coles or <laughs> basically anyone. So of course, if I'm on like a romantic interaction with someone, it's just so much more intense because like they're a potential mm. partner. Yeah, it's it's pretty pervasive from like the first date all the way to like long-term relationships and particularly with breakups as well. If you have a tendency to overthink and read too much into minute details, dating apps like Tinder, Bumble, Hinge, Grindr can feel like an absolute minefield. Yeah, my most of my experience is sort of like on Tinder and Hinge, and I feel like those dating profiles are so vague and you can never get a real sense of a person. It just leaves a lot of unknowns, and guess what? That just means more room for me to overthink. And I just overanalyze every tiny bit of detail, like every message that they send. Um, but to be quite real with you, I overanalyze more about myself than I do with anyone else. Like with dating apps, I'm terrified on like how I present and how I come across in a message. And I'm worried that they'll get to know me, that they'll judge me and I'll let them down somehow. So I just tend to avoid mm. it all by not putting myself out there and like going between these stages of like deleting apps and like ghosting people and just panicking. Uh, you know, talking to my therapist is being like, oh, I'm worried that people will think I look bad and stuff. And fundamentally, she was just like, that's a judgment that's socially constructed, mm. as in you literally, as the individual, have no say in it. Yeah. And it's like not something you can necessarily worry about. So, like, for me, I found worrying about my appearance was like not like a fruitful effort mm -hmm. so i've really really embraced the looking like shit <laughs> aesthetic anxiety doesn't have a simple off switch and while it definitely can be managed it can also be a master at sabotaging your love life it's a cruel irony of the universe that we can be cock blocked by our own survival mechanisms people think that anxiety is like sometimes a passing thing but it can be like fixed or that like just because it isn't real, you know, you tell someone that's never gonna happen, they just stop worrying about it. It's like you can remove all these reasons and all these like legitimate rational things from me and I will still worry. And it can happen at any age, any gender, any financial status, 
anything, you catch my drift. And I think it's it's good to be aware that like anyone can have an anxiety disorder and it's not pinned down to a certain archetype or a certain topic. I think I was just mainly focused on do they like me or not? And that was basically it. Um, it was really unhealthy for me because I was just so anxious about being good enough for someone else. As opposed to now where I'm actually considering, you know, is the other person good enough for me? And that's so much more healthy. And it's because I've had treatment for my anxiety, I can focus more on what I'm feeling and less about, you know, what everyone else is. So what does anxiety do to our brains? And what does it do to our love life? To find out, we spoke to psychologist Smruti Nair. It's okay to focus, you know, on the positives. Like we don't, you know, catastrophize about how great this date is going to be and what if this person is amazing, you know? Smruti will be one of the experts we speak to throughout the series, sharing her advice and her professional insight. Think of her as your anxiety aunt. I've been working as a psychologist for a little over 10 years now, and I've worked with young people, so children and adolescents, as well as adults throughout my career. And anxiety is more or less a recurring theme. The thing about anxiety is that it can present as a disorder, so an actual anxiety disorder, and meet all the diagnostic criteria we need for that anxiety disorder. But anxiety can also kind of um, hang around with other disorders as well. So one thing that a lot of conversations I've had just with friends casually is there's always this, not necessarily conflation, but when we talk about anxiety, a lot of times having anxiety and feeling anxious do kind of get a bit blurred. What's the formal difference for you? So we classify anxiety as a disorder when it is excessive or disproportionate. So um, it can last beyond the situation that caused the actual anxiety, but anxiety in and of itself is kind of a form of fear. Anxiety is kind of having a fear response, but you're having a fear response to an anticipated or perceived threat. If you're speaking in general terms, fear is a completely normal, adaptive emotional response to a threat. You see a threat, you feel afraid, totally normal, totally expected. But when we're talking about anxiety, we're talking about hypervigilance, being overconscious or being avoidant of something that we perceive as a threat, something that is not necessarily a threat, but we perceive it as a threat. And with anxiety, there is a response to that threat that is excessive or unreasonable. Mm. So that's what I would look at if you're talking about the difference between just being anxious, say, before an exam or before a first date. Mm. Pretty normal versus experiencing a complete anxiety disorder. Well, it's funny that you mentioned dates because this podcast is about the intersection of anxiety and dating. So in your (laughs) professional opinion... Have you noticed any impacts of dating apps or any recent, you know, romantic technologies and have they interacted with people that you work with? Yes. (laughs) Um, I think dating in general, it's pretty daunting, especially if this is your first time around doing something like dating. So uh, we all have these kind of genuine fears around our health, around meeting people. And I think there is this 
idea that with online dating, you're swiping right and left, you're having multiple conversations simultaneously. And I'm sure many of us know what it's like to be um, ghosted by somebody else. It doesn't feel great. Yeah. So is there a way out of this anxiety hole? When you do feel anxious, acknowledge how you feel. Don't run away from it. Acknowledge how you feel, but don't lean into it. You don't have to give anxiety more space than it's already taking up. You're actually in charge of this process. And I think it's also important to remember that others can't see our anxiety. Others can't see our thoughts. Others can't see that we're beating ourselves up. So don't expect others to be able to recognize that you're feeling anxious and, you know, you're acting in a certain way and then kind of help you without you actually telling them. And it's also actually really good practice to have a script beforehand. You know, if if you're going into a new situation that gives you some talking points, that gives you some questions to ask the other person, just make sure, you know, you're not completely stuck in the anxiety narrative in your head. You have some things to focus on on the outside. Another really easy thing you can do, and I highly recommend this, is having a little thing with you that you can touch or squeeze or you can feel the texture of. It can be something small like a key tag or a little beanbag toy that you can keep in your pocket or you can keep in your purse. And you can keep touching that or keep squeezing that and just reminding yourself you're here in the present and remind yourself that all your thoughts are not facts. Yeah, my housemate, he has his catchphrase whenever someone else is having anxiety in the share house and he just yells, they're just thoughts, bro. Just have another one. (laughs) I love that. I asked Emily what she would tell her younger self about having anxiety. I would definitely tell myself that I am not broken, that I'm not crazy, that I don't need to fake being this person and the right people will love me, including my anxiety. I'm not over-exaggerating, I'm not sensitive, and most importantly, I'm not alone. Like, there's always help out there, and I just need to reach out. Mm, Good stuff. Also, you probably tell yourself, buy Bitcoin. That's what I would do, (laughs) buy Bitcoin. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Stay with me over the next five episodes, where we'll go on to look at stepping into the dating market without spiraling. Let me just have this existential crisis while I eat my meal with you. How to reveal your true self. With dating as well, talking generally, I like to be very honest and upfront. And how to cope with a breakup. I think there's like a lot of a temptation to win the breakup. We'll also take a frank look at what anxiety does to your sex life. The issue with the anxiety dick, as I like to call it, (laughs) it's just the sort of the invincible monolith in that once it starts, you can't defeat it. Like you can't think your way out of it. You, it's, it's just over. And we'll show you that yes, happy endings are possible. So thank you for listening as we explore how to navigate the seas of love and not let the storms of anxiety prevent us from sailing our ships of romance and meeting the fish of our dreams. Next episode, we look at taking your relationship offline and how not to spiral. I destroyed that day before it even began. Like, what's the word when you do that? I sabotage myself, yeah. If this episode raised any issues for you, you can contact Beyond Blue 24-7 on 1300 22 4636.
Or for 24-7 crisis support, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Love Me, Love My Anxiety is a podcast from SBS Voices. It's hosted by me, Kevin Jin, produced by Caitlin Chang, and audio production by Jeremy Wilmot. Our executive producers are Natalie Hambly and Danielle Teutsch. Don't forget that if you want to learn more about dating when it comes to mental health, you can catch me on The Swiping Game, streaming now on SBS On Demand.